We are looking at some bad seeds here today. Something we started on a couple weeks ago but didn't finish. I know we get to it, so we're going to get to it here today. But last week we are looking at, at uh, Joash and Jehoiada. We particularly, well, we started off with 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There is the giving heed that comes up. Giving heed. We spent some time on that particular word. It talks about captivating your attention. That it comes in and it just captivates your attention. And the goal here is that the Word of God captivates our attention, but the enemy wants to try and get other things to come in and captivate your attention instead. And so he's going to put other things out there for you to do that. Things that will take over in your mind instead of meditating the Word day and night. You begin to meditate some of these other things. I mentioned this to you at the end. If the Word does capture your attention, it's because of four things. First off, you understand it. Secondly, it's interesting. Third, it's useful. Fourth, it ministers to your spirit. These are the things that it needs to, needs to happen. And those are some of the things we undergo each and every Sunday and Wednesday to make sure that this happens, that you understand the Word that it's interesting to you, that it's useful, and that it ministers to your spirit. Because you see, if it does these things, it will captivate you, and you'll meditate on it constantly. What happens, though, for some folks, is that other things come in, and they begin to captivate their attention. Do you know that some, for some people, their sickness or disease that they carry around, the pain in their body, is something that they fully understand because they've studied it. It is very interesting to them because it seems like every time they open their mouth, that's what they're talking about. We see the usefulness and it almost seems to minister to them and that uh, whenever they are talking with somebody, they almost, almost light up. Not quite, but almost light up when they talk about the problems they have in their life. See, something else has captivated your attention instead of the Word of God. We have to get to that place where the Word of God is what captivates our attention. Don't let other things come in and take over. But the enemy, he has some ways to try and get your attention. And one of those ways is to sow some wrong seeds. And we did talk about this, I think it was about two weeks ago. We're going to get into it here now because we did not get into it in any depth. But in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way but when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop then the tares also appeared so the servants of the owner came and said to him sir did you not sow good seed in your field how then does it have tares and he said to them an enemy has done this the servant said to him do you want us then to go and gather them up but he said no lest while you gather up the tares you also uproot the wheat with them let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say that the reapers first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, the first thing we saw here is that good seed was sown. It was good seed. The servants verified it was good seed. The master verified it was good seed. But wrong seeds had gotten in. The the good seeds would sown during the day when it's light out in full view. We're not trying to hide anything. We're sowing seeds into this field. But at night, the enemy came 
In fact, it specifically says his enemy. His enemy came in to sow tares among the wheat. Now, it's not the wheat's enemy. It's his enemy. Satan never loses sight of who he's fighting. We might sometimes, but he does not. He knows he is coming after the Father. He knows he's coming after his kingdom. Now, the purpose of the enemy is to harm the good crop's growth by planting other things in there. We put the the wheat seed in there. We spaced them apart the way we wanted them. We had the rows the way we wanted them. And then other seeds came in and filled in some of those other places. They weren't supposed to be there. So we want to harm the good growth, the, the good crop's growth and its eventual harvest. But the design of the attack is to look like wheat. They didn't plant sunflowers. They come up different. They planted something that would look like wheat. That's what tares are. Tares that look like wheat, but to somebody who's an expert on these things, they can tell the difference. But when they grow up, the tares have no fruit. Only the wheat does. So you don't want the tares. Now everything going on in the kingdom of God, you basically learn this from this parable, everything that is sown into the kingdom of God is not sown by God. There are things in the kingdom of God, because this is a parable about the kingdom. There are things in the kingdom of God that God did not sow. That's why Jesus, that's why the word of God warns us, test the spirits. That's why Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In the, when he's teaching on end times, be careful that no one deceive you. Because other people are coming into the kingdom of God to sow what they want to sow. And they want to make it look like what's supposed to be there. But they want to hinder the harvest and hinder the growth. That's their goal. Now, if the seed is the word in the parable before, what is the seed here? It'd have to be the word, right? So he sows good, good word into the field, but then the enemy comes along and sows what? Bad word. It's not just heresy, folks. It's bad word. Jesus is telling you this beforehand, that bad word is going to be sown into the kingdom. It's going to look like the word of God. It's going to have a, a, a resemblance there. It's going to seem to give honor to God. But it's not the Word of God. It goes against it somehow. It doesn't quite line up with it. So we've got to be careful of these things. Someone came in and sowed bad seed. Now people are going to try and come in and sow bad seed into you. Some of it might be doctrine. Some times people want to sow bad attitudes. <laughs> Anybody ever had that as a problem as a Christian? A bad attitude getting you? Yeah, I think we've had that time or two, right? Generally, every time we've had a bad attitude, how many of you all know it came from somebody? It didn't just come on our own. You know, somebody didn't treat us right. The phone call didn't go as expected. The repairman didn't show up at the right time. Something broke. And then people on the phone said, well, we're not covering that. I can get you a bad attitude. 
generally, whenever we have a bad attitude that comes, it comes from somebody sowing into our life. Somebody put something into our life that we didn't like. And we didn't, we, didn't, uh, we didn't take that. Jesus had people all the time trying to sow things like that in his life. But you will get people that will try and to, and to at least on the appearance of things, is that they are sowing into your life. But notice the parable here. Who did the sowing? The enemy did it. Now, I, I fell under this, this problem. Um, I remember a couple of weeks ago I told you the big story I, I had in some ministry stuff I was doing. And I left out a part of it. I think that that particular day we were, we were short on time. But um, when I was serving this particular pastor, one of the things that had come up before I had gone in there was that two people who were in my exact same position before I took it over the years that he had been there. And he had been there a number of years, something, uh, something around 20 years or something like that when, when uh, I had come on. And uh, two people who had been in my exact same position, they were the assistant pastor of the church, uh, both um, tried to take over the church. One was successful and actually ran them out. And the other one, I think, was unsuccessful, but all of them were successful in causing a church split and taking some people with them. And um, I was aware of that. And I was always, I'd always say, these are always the words that came out of my mouth. I said, I'm amazed that he can trust someone again after the betrayal that he had gone through. And so as we were going through, and I told you some of the things that, that happened in this particular episode that I, I told you about where um, he had, the, the pastor had gone around to all the other people and asked what happened, but didn't walk across the hallway to my office and ask me. And so this is an attitude that's, that started to fester or started to come up on the inside of me. You know, um, why didn't he do that? Why did he come over? Why didn't he ask me about it? Because all he would have had to do was say, uh, we don't do that. If I did something wrong, all he had to do was come in there and say, we don't do that. And I don't care if God told me to do it again. <laughs> I would have said No. Because you see, I serve under him. That's really all he had to say. Just, just don't do it that way. Yes, sir. Won't do it. You see, God won't tell you to do something that he, that he would have instructed me not to do. So I don't have that problem. So don't think I would come into a place where I have to obey God. or No, God put me in there and, and he uh, wants to sit, things done a certain way. Well, that's what you need to do. Because the word of God says, be faithful in what is another man's before God would give you what is your own. So that's what I had to had to learn to do. But um, it never dawned on me until after a, a couple of those episodes had gone on that um, this is what, what came to me. Now, we've told you before uh, some of the principles in this that just because you see something in the Spirit, just because the Spirit reveals something to you, doesn't mean you know how to interpret it. And we, gave, we spent some time on, in two episodes in the Word with Peter and with Joseph's dream. That just because they heard the thing in the Spirit and saw the thing, they didn't know the interpretation of it. It took them a little while to get it. But other people have come up with interpretation of Joseph's dream, and it's wrong. And other people have come up with interpretation on Peter's vision, and it was wrong. Because Peter tells you exactly what it was, but it didn't come to him right away. It came to him later. And so while I was, I was meditating on this, and this, this is what you know, I, I saw. Well, uh, I, I saw that that this particular pastor was opening the door. I didn't call it that at the time. I called it something else. But he was opening the door for rebellion. Because he didn't... If he would, what he did to me, he did to others. 
And by them doing that, um, you know, the, you, you become, uh, you can become rebellious on that. It's still your fault if you do. <laughs> it's not, not somebody else's fault. But here's what I, I interpret. This is the interpretation I came. And my interpretation was wrong. What I saw was right. But my interpretation was wrong. I, I came out with the interpretation that, oh, he was sowing bad seed in my life. And I held that understanding for, for quite a while. That's what I thought was going on. He was sowing bad seed in my life. Now, it took me a long time after that. Sometime after that, I don't know, I don't know exactly when I got out of that thinking and got into the right thinking. But um, eventually I did. And the, the Lord showed me, He said, He didn't sow anything in your life. He gave an opportunity for the enemy to sow something in your life. I said, oh. Oh, yeah, that's much more accurate. (laughs) You see, you can see something in the realm of the Spirit, but have the wrong interpretation. I've done that. That's how I know it. So I I came out and said, that's right. That's that's not that situation. I don't even know if I was still at the church when I finally got that straightened out, but... Uh, but I eventually learned that and found out that you know, people are not the ones sowing into your life. It's the enemy. Now think on back over there when Judas, when Judas uh, saw what was going on with Jesus having his feet washed. You remember it says in the Word of God that, that uh, Satan entered him? Took that opportunity. See, Jesus didn't sow a bad seed into Judas' life. That woman who did that act didn't sow a bad seed into Judas' life. But they created a situation for which the enemy was able to come in and to sow a bad seed. Remember Absalom? David did not sow a bad seed in Absalom's life that caused him to rebel. David did some things that gave the enemy an opportunity to sow rebellion in Absalom that he festered for quite a while until he finally saw his opportunity for which he he then went one after that Ahithophel David did not sow bad seeds into the life of Ahithophel but he gave opportunity when he went into the sin with Bathsheba his granddaughter and things festered there was an opportunity there and the devil took it now whose job was it to guard their life it was Ahithophel's it was Absalom's it it was Judas's it was their job to guard it. They didn't. Now, you may come out of there and say, well, it was their fault because, no, they didn't. The enemy sowed into your life and you took it. So one of the things you've got to understand with bad seed is if i got bad seed growing in my life, it's my fault. Don't blame other people. Don't get into that inner healing junk that everything is a result of something else somebody else did to you. No. If you've got bad seed in your life, you decided to let it in. Don't let it in. Now you say, well, I don't see that in the parable. Sure it is. It was right in there. Did you miss it? <laughs> it was right in the parable. We read over it real fast. Didn't uh, spend any time on it. But um, we can go on back. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man, man who sowed good feet in his field. But what? While men slept. Why did he put that in there? This is his parable. 
Why'd he do it? Because somebody who should have been watching wasn't. You see, if you fall asleep on the job, <laughs> the enemy can come in and sow. If these folks had, if some people would have been awake and watching over the field, it wouldn't have happened. It was while men slept. Jesus he kind of slid that in there, didn't he? Yep, so first thing we got to understand is if bad seed got into me, a bad attitude got into me, a bad doctrine got into me, if a bad belief got into me, it is my fault. You see, you got to take ownership at first. I had to take ownership of, of some of that stuff and before I took ownership of it, I couldn't get it weeded out of me. I had to take ownership and say, yep, okay, it's... Not their, it's my fault if I would have let that in. Now, I didn't let rebellion in and I didn't try and take the church away from the guy <laughs> or any such thing like that. I didn't let it in. I wasn't going to let it in. I was on guard. I didn't sleep. I didn't fall asleep at the wheel in that one. I may have had the wrong understanding of the whole thing, but I still, I knew, don't let that in. And I didn't let it in. We've got to be careful on some of those things. See, Jesus is teaching on some negative aspects of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not all, all, all super good stuff. There's some bad stuff going on in the kingdom of God is what he's telling you. The first thing he tells you is, after I come out here and sow good word, an enemy's going to come in because men will be sleeping or not watching over. See, if, if, if all the pastors, all the prophets, all the apostles, all the people that are called in the, in the fivefold ministry are asleep, Wrong stuff can get in. I've mentioned this singer to you before. Uh, one of my favorites. I know he's, he's ancient, old time stuff, but I still pull out my Keith Green albums and, and listen. One of the songs he used to put on there was Asleep in the Light. Ooh, I'll tell you what. A song comes on, I say, oh man, yeah. Don't fall asleep. Stay awake. <laughs> Gotta be awake. Don't fall asleep in the light. You gotta stay awake. Because we've got to be on guard against this. So one of the first things he tells you in these, these parables is that the enemy is going to come in and try and sow bad seed. Be on the watch out for it. And don't let it in. If you let it in, he warned you. He said it's going to be out there. It's going to look like wheat, but it's not wheat. Don't bring it in. Let's just take a look at the next one. We don't cover these all that time, but every once in a while in conversation with people, I get into them. But... Um, these are very, some very misunderstood parables. In verse 31, another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Now take a look at what he's saying. We look at this and I've heard people talk about this parable. What a beautiful kingdom picture of the kingdom of God. Nice big tree, birds come and uh, sit in the, in the branches. Now, you've been around here for a while. You all know our famous phrase on here. Birds are bad. Birds are bad. <laughs> birds are bad. As far as parables are concerned, birds are bad. The birds will never represent anything good in the parables. The very first parable he gave, which is just earlier in this chapter, the birds came and did what? They eat the seed. See, Jesus doesn't mix metaphors. If a bird is bad in one parable, it's bad in all of them. They don't certainly be become good. Birds are bad. 
So he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree. Now what is a mustard seed? When it grows, is it a tree or an herb? It's an herb. What he is telling you here in this parable, and these folks know it because they knew mustard seeds better than the people that are around today. I don't know why that is. How many of y'all like mustard? I mean, mustard is where it's at. You folks who like ketchup, I pray for you every day. It's just sad. You spoil all your food. Put that ketchup on, just ruin it. Ruin that stuff. My granddaughter's been corrupted. We go in there and we have eggs and she takes ketchup and smothers it all over there. Oh. She tried to give me some. I said, you will not. That is, that is hideous. Ketchup. I can't even hardly put ketchup on french fries anymore. I don't eat french fries much. But when I do, I hardly ever put ketchup on them. I mean, why in the world are we putting that stuff on there? Anyway. Ketchup is bad. <laughs> but mustard is good. See, mustard's in the Word of God. There's no ketchup in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad seed gets started, right? <laughs> but here we have the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. So it's like a, he's likening it to a mustard seed. Now he's not telling you this is what it should be like. He's telling you this is what it will become. And the mustard seed is, a, is an herb, but here it becomes a tree. What he is saying is that the mustard seed put in the ground changed its nature and became something it was never intended to be. If you put, we'll put it to you a little bit better. How many of you have ever planted an herb like a parsley or a basil? Anybody ever planted one like that? What would you do if that parsley or that basil turned into a tree? Uh, (laughs) You would begin to think, we got the wrong seed here. This is not this this is not what parsley does. This is not what basil does. It doesn't become a tree. But you see here it became a tree. We look at this and it becomes greater than all the herbs. It becomes a tree. We think, well, that's good. Boy, that's the kingdom of God. It's just powerful. It's just mm. No, it became something that its nature is not. So that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He's telling you this the kingdom of heaven is going to be corrupted by bad seed and then people are going to get a hold of it and change the nature of it. So much so that the birds that eat the seed are comfortable to nest in its branches. Now way back when he did the first parable which is supposed to be what it's like the kingdom of God is like or it's, it's like a sower it goes out and sows field, sows uh, seed into the field. Now he's sowing, sowing seed. That's what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. You're out there you're sowing seed. But here, by this one, we're no longer sowing seed. We're taking care of a tree. That's not the kingdom of God. We're not here to take care of the tree. We're not here to take care of the, make sure the church grows and becomes this big thing. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be out there sowing the word. We're supposed to sow the word. But here, it became a tree. Even the birds came and nested in his branches. So we're no longer doing the function we're supposed to. We're caring for the tree. See, that's wrong. What are we supposed to be doing? Going out in the field, sowing seed. Sowing seed. 
That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be seed sowers. But instead, we become tree growers. That's not what we're supposed to do. That's the first thing he... He's, well, that's what he said in this, this second negative parable. Then there's a third one that he comes up. I gave you some uh, blanks in that one, didn't I? The nature of the plant changed. It's no longer a, an herb. It's not a tree. But the nature of the plant or the mustard seed, it changed. The birds of the air that represent Satan and his kingdom. Remember Revelation chapter 18. I put this in your outline so you don't have to go look it up. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen, has become a what? A dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now would you call the church of God supposed to be in any way related to the kingdom of Babylon? Mm Mm-mm. So the former enemy of the seed makes its home in the tree. And that's a, that is a bad place to be. Well, let's go on here. Verse 33. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now we look at that and said, oh, that's neat. Look at how the kingdom of God just spreads. Just put a little bit of leaven in there and it just spreads all over. Except in the Word of God, what does leaven represent? Leaven represents sin. In the Old Testament, you had the Feast of Unleavened Bread because the sin was removed. Jesus instituted the Last Supper with what? Unleavened bread. Because the leaven represented sin. He said to beware of the what? Leaven of the Pharisees. So when Jesus starts off calling something bad, he doesn't go around calling it something good. So, <laughs> so leaven is bad. Just like birds are bad, leaven is bad. So he says somebody puts a little bit of leaven in the loaf, and then what happens? It begins to spread. False doctrine begins to spread. Isn't it, doesn't it seem that false doctrine spreads faster than the good stuff? Because that's what leaven does. All you got to do, if you got a loaf of bread, take a little bit of leaven, you put it in there, and that leaven will take care of the whole thing. Just turn that whole thing into bread. Puffed up, puffed up bread instead of flat stuff. Anybody ever used to get a chance to watch yeast work? Anybody make bread? Get to watch the See, we, got, we did that in the pizza place, but we, we watched it in a, work on a grand scale. You know, we're making buckets of dough. And you put that stuff in there and and then you have to you know, give it time to, to um, leaven the whole thing. Deep dish pizza. Stuff I didn't like the deep dish. How many of you all like deep dish pizza? Oh, man, I don't like it. I had to make tons of it, but I didn't, I didn't like it. And that one, you, you could, there's no shortcut on deep, deep dish pizza. You had to make it up, put each, each thing in each individual pan, and then stack them up so that they could, the, the stuff could rise. And you had to have uh, all that done. And if you didn't have enough of it done and you had more orders for it, you can't go and say, well, we'll go make up some more. It takes hours. So you can't just go out there and make up some more. Now, the, the thin cr- crust stuff, that we could. You could put that. We, we do a quick rise with that one. And we take the thing and we put it on top of the oven because there's heat up there. And that heat causes it to rise a little bit faster. Uh, it still took a little bit of time, but not as much time as it would, would uh, otherwise. 
You see, that, that yeast has to work its way through. But it will. He's telling you false doctrine will get into the church. It will work its way through. But Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So you've ever looked at these parables before and thought they were positive. They are not. There are times Jesus taught about the positive aspects of the kingdoms, but this is times when he taught about the negative aspect. And surely when we saw the Middle Ages and the things that the church became, there was very little godly about what was going on in the church then. And anywhere where the light was, the church stomped on them, wiped them out, killed them. And all we know about them is that the church wrote that they were heretics, burned all their writings, burned all their books, and took care of them. I don't know if you, you know about all this. I, I, I loved history. And certainly church history I should like even more. But uh, you all know Martin Luther. You know that he went and put his little list up there on the, on the door and started a, a revolution, getting back to the Word of God. Anybody ever read what he put up on the door? I guarantee you most of it would, you would disagree with just about everything on that list. There's a few things on it you would not disagree with. But there's a whole lot on that list that you would say, no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. So even he had some false doctrine on his list. But God still used it. Isn't that amazing? And, uh, and, and things were turned around because of that. But before him, 50 years or so before Martin Luther, there was a guy who was an even greater revivalist. And his name might not roll off of your tongue the way it rolls off of mine. You could stop me any day of the week, any week of the year. And say, who's that guy? And I could tell you exactly who it is because I have never forgotten it from the day that I learned about him. His name was Savonarola. And he was the Martin Luther 50 years earlier. Except in his life, he was prophesying. He was operating the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But he didn't have the support that Martin Luther did. Nobody would lock him up and protect him. He got burned at a stake. He was killed for the things he believed. But you would line up more with Savonarola than you would with Martin Luther. But you see that what was going on those years, I have a hard time studying that period of history because the church took over everything. They ran countries. And the, the seat of power was in the church. It became something that was not. They weren't out to focus on, on scattering the word they were out to grow the tree. And Jesus predicted what it would be like. Glory to God, those days are not today. But the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. The doctrine or teaching of the church would become corrupt. And Jesus knew it. Now, one of the things that he has done to help us to not have this is an aspect of the church that we don't always, uh, doesn't get as much attention anymore. It seems like anymore, anymore the, uh, the big things that get attention, of course, be the role of the pastor gets a lot of attention. Uh, a lot of people like to be apostles. I always got amazed at how many pastors think they're apostles. Sometimes you go up and you ask them, how long have you been in that church? 20 years. How are you an apostle? Apostle goes around and you start stuff. <laughs> Doesn't stay in one place. 
I have no illusions that I'm an apostle. No illusions at all. I, I, I know the difference between the, the different things. But one of the roles that we had, in the, certainly in the Old Testament we saw this, was the role of a prophet. And in Hebrews chapter 6, one of my favorite verses, or a section of verses in Isaiah, and these things ring in me because Brother David Ingalls put part of this on one of his albums. And every time I play his album and listen to his music, that he would, he would read this over. And I heard it over and over and over and over. And I can still hear him saying every single word from that album because I heard it so many times. But here, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And it stood, and it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. And two he covered his face. And two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Where have you heard that before? The song about that, right? And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongues, with the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Now get this picture here. This is, this is something. If you have to go up to the, the altar and pull off a coal and you use tongs, what does that say about the coal? Hot. It's hot. So he goes over, for this is the picture I have. He goes over, he uses the tongs, he gets the coal, and then where does he put it? Before he put it on the lips of the guy, what do you do with it? He took it in his hand. Why does he take a hot coal and put it in his hand? What would, you, what would happen to you if you took a hot coal and put it in your hand? It would burn you, wouldn't it? And then he took it on over to Isaiah. I'll tell you what, if you ever get to heaven and um, they say some stuff up there, never talk about a shortcoming that you got. Because they're going to burn you. That's generally what happens. They're coming with fire. And so he uh, uses the tongs, he gets the coal, puts it in his hand. And then he comes over in his hand and he touches. Now if you've got an angel who just took a hot coal off the altar and he's coming to touch you with it, what are you, what are you doing? Where are you going with that? <laughs> but he doesn't go anywhere. He lets them touch the, his lips. I guess you got to, you know, things are not, not going to hurt me. <laughs> That's a hot coal. And you're, you're cleansed now. Be careful who you read this scripture in front of because you read that in front of you like a six-year-old boy. I don't see it ending well. Don't, yeah, be careful about that. Wait till they're, you know, a little older than that. Girls, they won't, they won't, they won't have a problem with this. But watch out for them boys. I know we do with hot coals. He says, who shall I send and who will go for us? He says, here I am. Send me. I'll go. And so he does, and in chapter 7, he sends them to King Ahaz. Not Ahab, Ahaz. 
Now when they came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Syrians' forces are deployed in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. Gives you a picture there. Those trees are moved when the wind blows. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shir Jashub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands for the fierceness or for the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Ramaliah. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and trouble it. Let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabal. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Within sixty-five years, Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. Ephraim, do you know who that is? It's the northern tribes of Israel. They're very often called Ephraim. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramaliah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. Now, it's bad when you ask God for a sign. But if God tells you to ask for a sign, it's okay. (laughs) Just keep that in mind. Don't ask God for a sign on your own. You'll get a different response. Evil generation, stuff like that. But if he says, ask me for a sign, it's okay. Go ahead and do it. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? I don't think he took that too well. What do you think? (laughs) Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now look at this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. How many times have we read that without thinking about where it came from? Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall grow to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. The Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house days that have not come since the days that Ephraim departed from Judah. So the whole thing about Jesus coming from a virgin comes from this time. When he says, uh, ask God for a sign. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, fine. If you don't want to do what God said, I'll give you a sign anyway. And he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And he says, Before this child is old enough for certain things to go on in his life, both of those houses are going to be gone. Now, of course, it happened before that. But that's the, that's the prophecy. That's what the prophet had to say. Now look what else he, uh, he dealt with here with Isaiah. For the Lord, in verse uh, 11 of chapter 8, For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy. 
nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, Him you shall hollow. Let Him be your fear. And let Him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the house of Israel as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble. Now you'll see things like this quoted in the New Testament references. Not, not always identically quoted, but they're, they're giving you references to this. Bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob. And I will hope in him. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Tell you what, there's Christians out there who go to mediums and spiritualists and have their palms read and, and check out their horoscopes and stuff like that. Man, he's, he's saying to you straight up, shouldn't you seek your own God? Why are you going after these other ones? Seek your own. I don't know who was doing this or what. This is years and years and years ago. Um, I used to listen to some other stations that I don't listen to anymore. Um, you know, one of them was just a talk station, but I just wasn't interested in the stuff they were peddling and the stuff they were uh, doing in their commercials and their news things and stuff like that. But it may have been that one. I don't know. But somehow, somebody would come on every every now and then and they would just start listing the um, the horoscopes and just telling you, you know, if you're with this sign, they would name all the different signs. I don't know all the different signs. And they would they would tell you this is what's going to happen for you today. I thought, man, that is just straight out of the pit of hell. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would do one of those, I would do one of those things, you know, you, when you say, we don't want to hear what's going on, you go, la, 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 la. <laughs> I would do something like that until I could turn the thing off. I didn't want to hear it. Now, if you came up to me and said, what is your sign? I don't know. And if anybody ever wanted to come up to me and said, well, just tell me when your birthday is, I'll tell you, I'm not telling you. I don't want to know. I don't care to know. I don't put any stock in it. I don't want to hear any of that sort of stuff. Because all the enemy wants to do is try and sow some fear in your life. Because he can work with that. And don't let him do it. So I stay out of that. But he, he says, go ask your own God. Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? Hmm. To the law and to, testi- and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Now understand this. When people come along and they want to speak something to you and they have other light beside the word of God, beware. That is the leaven that Jesus warned about. I don't need light outside of the word of God. I could spend my lifetime getting to know the word and still not accomplish it. I'm going to get to heaven and God is still going to say, Steve, still some stuff you didn't learn. You got to learn this stuff. Because it's, it's, you're, you're understanding this is, this is God in here. He, he put all, so much in it we can't even figure it all out. Now just this year I see some stuff that I didn't see in years past. I know next year, finishing off this year, I'm going to see more stuff that I didn't see in the years before that. Just stay with the Word. If people want to tell you how to move into things and do things outside of the Word of God, throw it out. That's leaven. You don't need it. You get a little bit of leaven in you. It can affect you. 
They do not speak according to this word. It is because there is no light in them. No light. They will pass through it hard, pressed, and hungry. And it shall happen when they are hungry that they will be enraged, curse their king and their God, and look upward. Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish. And they will be driven into darkness. That don't sound good, does it? We're just running through these things. I just wanted to get you the, the idea of what's happening here with the prophet. In Isaiah 9, verse 1, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. You all heard that one before. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulders, and the rod of his oppressor, as the day of Midian. For every warrior's saddle from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning the fuel of fire. Now a very familiar scripture. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from what from that time forward and even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So even though he paints a picture of a very ugly government, he says, hey, but here's what's coming. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Do you think it'll be dark then? Uh-uh. Because his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Glory to God for that. Chapter 10. He goes on. He talks about the judgment on Assyria. And he talks about a return of Israel to the land. And in chapter 11, verse 1, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Isaiah's just getting started in his ministry. This is the beginning of it. And how many uh, prophecies have we had about the Messiah? And then we wrap up this section of Isaiah with chapter 12 and verse 1. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Have we not heard that before? With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. This is where that comes from. From this hymn of praise. 
And we were on that and more so in the beginning. That if you're going to draw water out of the well, the well that God has, it's with joy. It's with joy. Don't forget that. And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord. Call upon His name. Declare His deeds among the peoples. Make mention that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Now it's just the beginning of the ministry of Isaiah. If you haven't read Isaiah in a long time, go on back and read it. It's amazing some of the things we see buried in the prophecies that one like Isaiah or Jeremiah would give. And we didn't realize we just that it was buried in such a, a, a prophecy. We just remember that section that was there. But all the, the seed and, and what was going on and what was happening in the scope of things. You see, the prophet came out and he would speak the words of God. He would speak what, what God would say. And the people could choose to listen. They could choose to obey. It was up to them. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. So they rose. So they rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and your inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Now in the Old Testament, they only had priests and prophets. The prophets were the teachers, and they were also the proclaimers of things that would come. Priests were also teachers. A lot of teaching going on in those, those ministries. But that's how they divided that. Here in the New Testament, we have the fivefold. We have the apostles. They go out and they, they begin works and they start works in different places. And we have the pastors and the teachers and the prophets. We have ministries. Each one has different things that they're supposed to do. There's evangelists. There's specific things that are they're in their calling that are not in someone else's. And uh, we have to, to, to keep in mind those things. I've, I wrote some things down, I think, in your your outline that first off the church needs its prophets we need our we need the prophets there's a lot of people doing some weird things in the area of prophets prophecy and prophets but we still need them the role of prophet is a calling the ministry of prophecy is a gift the role of a prophet is a calling the ministry of prophecy is a gift. According to Paul, he says, desire the greater gifts. There is something that you have to do with the gifts that you flow in. You have to have a desire for it, pursue it, and you can pursue it. But callings are from God. Not everyone who prophesies is a prophet. And Brother Hagin broke this down for us and, and taught us real, real clear on this because he was one who, who sat in the Office. He sat in the office of pastor for a while, and then sat in the office of a prophet. He'd tell you right off. He said they don't, they don't, uh, they don't flow together. You can't sit in both. He said they're contrary to each other in the, the things they accomplish. And I'll take his word for it. I've not sat in the office of a of a prophet. I don't, as far as I know, have any plans to to go in that direction. Um, but you see, you can operate in the area of prophecy without being a prophet. Because prophecy 
in the gift is for comfort, exhortation, and encouragement. That's the gift of prophecy. But a prophet operates in more gifts than just prophecy. A prophet is going to operate in the word of wisdom, probably the word of knowledge. Could operate in the discerning of spirits or the, the seeing into the spirit realm is actually what it is. Um, it's not, there's not a discerning. There's not a gift of discernment in the body of Christ. Some people want to say, I have the gift of discernment. No, you don't. You've swallowed a lie. There is no gift of discernment in the body of Christ. There is a gift of discerning of spirits. The ability to see into the spirit realm. And what is invisible to everyone else is visible to you. Remember in the uh, Old Testament, Elisha with his servant. And he says, praise to him, says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the servant opened his eyes and he saw the host of heaven surrounding the city. He's able to see into the realm of the spirit. Other people in the, in the Bible have been able to do the same thing. At times, there's a, there's a stepping into that. But a person who's in the role of a prophet will foretell things to come. That's not the simple gift of prophecy. Don't ever feel like if you're going to prophesy that you need to get into foretelling. If you're going to foretell something that is to come, that is the gift of the word of wisdom. When God speaks something to you about things that have not happened yet, word of knowledge is about things that have happened. They're in the past. You're given the knowledge that they occurred. You ever had somebody who stood up in a service and they began to call out some things that had been done? Someone has this condition. Someone is going through this situation. So they were, they were operating the word of knowledge. God gave them understanding on something that has already happened. He can't operate in the word of wisdom that way and say, someone is going to have this go on. <laughs> now, that won't work. But you see, sometimes when someone is praying over you, if they are in that, uh, in that particular gifting, they may pray over something to you about something in the future. And that would be when that, that would work, be, uh, be going on. But we need prophets. And don't despise them. Because there are people who go out and they act unbecomingly, call themselves a prophet. You, you could put in this category some of the end times people who are prophesying about the end of the world. The end of the world will be on June such and such. The end of the world is going to be in December, whatever. And they prophesy predict that these things will happen. Of course, all those dates came and went. And if you just read the Word of God, you would have known they were wrong. But people didn't and they followed, followed after them. And then sometimes when because people were doing that, the enemy knows that you'll despise prophets because of that. But don't despise prophets. You need to find some with good track records. Hear the things they have to say. Let them speak into your life. YouTube now, we have the ability to tune in prophets. But make sure they got a good track record. Just because they call themselves a prophet does not mean they are. Word of God is always warning us about false prophets, false teachers, even false apostles. They're, they're going to be out there. Don't, uh, don't go after them. Lying signs and wonders. That would be on a false evangelist. Because an evangelist uses signs and wonders in the ministry of evangelism. But there are people who go out and they operate in false signs and wonders. 
They're a false evangelist. So just know there's going to be false there. The enemy is trying to sow bad seed because he wants to draw something out of you that right now isn't there. That's his purpose. He wants to get an attitude out of you. He wants to get an action out of you. He wants to get something going on. He wants you to do something either for his kingdom or against your well-being. And he's very patient. He will look for that opportunity to sow that seed. And it's going to be something that somebody has done, probably in the body of Christ. And when they've done it, and he sees that opportunity, he's going to sow that seed. He's going to put that in there. When we were doing the, we're doing a book for, uh, a Rick Renner book for the worship team we've been reading through. And uh, what's the title of it? Get Over It? Is it Just Get Over It or something else before it? You Can Get Over it. Okay. There we go. You Can Get Over It. If you all want to go out there and get yourself a copy of it, um, it's, good. it's good. It's good. You'll enjoy it. But one of the things he was talking about was the word that's used in the Bible. But when uh, Satan put this in his heart, he used, uh, I believe it was the word ekbalo, which means to throw forcefully into. There's an opportunity and quickly you throw it right in. He's looking for that opportunity. Once it's there, he's going to chuck this thing in there. He's going to sow that seed because he's looking to get a response from you. And if the response he wants is not in you, he's going to sow a seed so he can reap that harvest. He wanted a response from Judas so he had to sow the seed to get it in him so that he could pull that out. If you are going along in a direction where you are growing in God and you are developing, your gift is being developed, he's not going to like it. The enemy does not like that going on. So he's going to find an opportunity with something that's going on around you where he can sow the wrong seed into you. He's going to find a way to, to do that. Now, my wife, uh, she'll sit and she'll listen to a number of different YouTube things. And, um, you know, sometimes she listens to somebody and I'll, I'll, uh, she was listening to um, a person some, some time ago, a couple months ago, um, Nancy Dufresne. And uh, I think I told you the story about that. If I didn't, I should have. Um, but it was really good teaching. But I saw the title in the thing and it said... Uh, Double portion anointing. I said, oh, here's one of those persons teaching on the double portion anointing. Yeah, how you can walk in twice of what everybody else has walked in. Oh, man. I said, I, I just kind of, I don't know if there was sarcasm in my voice or not, but the, the, they were sure on the inside of me. Because <laughs> I said, oh, what's her take on the, the double portion of the anointing? And so she said, well, she's not really teaching on that. She's teaching them the responsibility of it. I said, that got my attention. I said, oh, so I went up from there and went back into my shop. I looked it up. I got hold of it and I started listening to it myself. And there's four parts in there. If I didn't tell you about it before, I'll tell you about it now. If you didn't hear it before, you're hearing it now. Go out there and get them. Nancy Dufresne. If you don't know how to spell it, that's fine. It's, it's spelled like the Fresne. Because <laughs> it does not look like Dufresne. It, it seems like something else. But uh, go out there and listen to it. Once you listen to those, you'll like some other things that she has to, to teach on. But some of the conferences that she has and she's been at, they have some prophets to come in. And you can uh, tune in some of them and, and hear what they have to say. Because they'll, they'll, they'll benefit you. Hear what the prophets have to say. Because God sends them in His Word. And this is where we spend all this time in Isaiah here for this. The enemy is trying to sow wrong seed into you. 
But God is always sowing good seed. And so he sends his prophets. And here's the, the, here's the way the prophets go. And this is the outline you just saw in, I, in Isaiah, though it may not have jumped out at you. He's going to come out there and he's going to give a word. God knows what is going on. He knows what's going on. You're not hiding it from him. That's one of the things you'll find out with a prophet. They're going to come out and they're going to say, God knows what's going on. I know what you're doing. I know what you're thinking. I know what you want to do, but you haven't done yet. I know what's going on. That's the God we serve. He knows that. Now we'll come out in some of the prophecies. You will see, I know what's going on. I know, remember in the book of Revelation? And the, the prophet is, is speaking. I know your heart. I know your intention. I know how you resisted. He says, I know. He's going to speak about those things that, the, that he knows. If things are going good, after he announces what he knows, he's going to speak encouragement for you to keep that up. If things are not going good, he's going to speak a rebuke to knock it off. Get it right. Straighten it out. Now, when a prophet does it, a prophet does not teach you. A prophet tells you. It's kind of like when your parents came out. And they told you to do something. Well, why should I do it? Because I said so. So that's the prophet. That's now the teacher will come along. The teacher will teach you why you shouldn't do that. Why you should do this. But a prophet, that's not their role. Their role is, I know what's going on. Now, either quit it or keep going. That's what he's going to go to next. I know what's happening. Now, quit it. Or I know what's happened. Keep going. And then here's what he's going to do. At least in the initial parts of the prophecies. He's going to come in on the third part. And he's going to say. Here is a glorious future that awaits for you. If you keep doing what you're doing. Or if you change what you're doing you shouldn't be doing. And fix it. That's the third part that's going to come in. That's what a prophet's going to do. We're not teaching all the ins and outs about that. That's somebody else's role. We're going to tell you this is what's going on. We're going to tell you to quit it. And if you do, here's what's waits for you out here. We're going to tell you what's going on. We're going to tell you to keep on going. And here is the reward that waits for you out here. This is the future. This is what's going on. This is the deliverance I'm going to bring you. This is the help that's coming your way. This is the glory that is coming. Now, that's how he comes in the beginning. But if we don't listen to that, then it's going to change a little bit. Now, if you're not listening, we don't have to go two different roads. We only have to go one road. I know what's going on. You're not listening. I told you to quit it. You didn't. Here's the result. And it's not going to be good. It's going to be a bad result. Now, here's the thing. When a pastor would say something like that, there would be great remorse in him. There would be a, a struggle with with you. That, oh, I just want to see you get out of this. And But a prophet? No, they're actually enjoying it. It's kind of like my attitude towards the press. Y'all, y'all see me with that. I am going to enjoy being up there in heaven and watching Katie Couric in her special spot in hell. I am going to, I am going to enjoy watching it. Dan Rather. I'll call him out. 
these people have a special place in hell and I know it because the Word of God says that if you lead other people astray and lead people away from God, <laughs> it's not going to be good for you. And that's what these people have done. Don't bring them in your home. Are they even on the air anymore? I don't even know who's on the air anymore. Every time you look around, somebody else has fallen into some... Well, they discovered the sin that they were in and then they're off the air and, and, and then somebody else takes their place. Don't bring them in your home. But see, that's what you're going to do. But you don't get to that spot until you first off ignore the others because he's always bringing in his prophets and he's going to announce it and they're going to tell you some things. That's not the simple gift of prophecy. The simple gift of prophecy comes in, they edify, comfort, exhort. You don't predict the future. You don't predict the future. See, this is what God does. Because he knows the enemy is out there to sow bad seed. And if bad seed gets in, he sends his prophets. Just like the guys in the story. Hey, we got some bad seed out here. We got some bad seed. What should we do? And what's the master say? Let them grow. Let them grow together. Because I'm concerned about the, the good seed being rot-brooded. And I don't want to lose any good seed because some bad seed is next to it. So you see, and they followed the will of the master. I don't know if this is getting into too detail of uh, his, prophet, his uh, parable there or not, but I would almost see that the, the people, the workers there were the prophets. They're out there proclaiming what's going on, what's happening. I don't know if that's uh, exactly true, but some of that could be going on. But that's the role of a prophet. That's what they're going to be doing for you. So when bad seed gets sown into the body of Christ, the prophets are going to rise up and say, eh, don't go after this. Be careful with this. And uh, just know this, that when a prophet comes up and they operate in that area of ministry, it's going to probably rub you the wrong way. You may not like it. Well, that might be true, but that's a little harsh, don't you think? Yeah. We don't find too many Elishas as prophets in the Bible. Elisha, he just was you know, generally very nice. Once in a while, you, got, you can get on his bad side. But he's, not, he's no Elijah. Elijah just slapped you up across, up across the face. Thus says the Lord, you're going to die. See ya. <laughs> I think he would enjoy it. Man, that felt good. Oh, yeah. Because he may not enjoy the word of the prophet. And that's why a lot of times we don't spend a whole lot of time reading Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. We'd much rather be in some of the other spots. Because the word of a prophet can sometimes be hard. Be a little harsh. See, that's their role. The word of God says, Prophets, Let's read that verse again. Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Mm-hmm. Now, believe his prophets, not the enemies. Identify them. You find these are prophets of God, believe them. You can check them out. Prophets are there to be established. They're there to be, be proven. We're supposed to prove them. 
But that's the way that God helps to get some of the bad seed out of our life is that prophets come in and they begin to speak some things. And they may speak some, they may be on TV and the Spirit of God may come upon them to speak something and it comes over the TV right into your ears and you hear it. Oh, I think he's talking about me. It might well be. You may not be in the meeting, but God knows you need to hear it. He can still speak it right through there. But believe his prophets. But know this. If the enemy cannot get what he wants from you with what's in you, he will try and put something else on the inside. He has been successful. He will be successful some more. But he doesn't have to be successful with you. You can stand guard against it. Because he wants to draw some stuff out of you. And when he gets that out, it's going to hinder you. It's going to hold you back. It's going to take you off your course. But don't let that happen. Keep coming back to the Word. Bring everything back to the Word of God. Let the Word of God take over your mind. And you do that because you understand it. I understand the Word. It's not hard for me to... I understand it. It's been explained to me. And the Spirit of God teaches me more things on the inside. I understand the... I understand the Word. Ah, so I love the Word. I love the Word tonight. I understand it. It ministers to my spirit. It speaks to me. It teaches me. Let the Word of God do what it's supposed to be doing for you. And just have it take over your mind. Renew your mind, what Paul tells us, on the Word. Renew it on the Word. Because when you do, every time the devil tries to bring false things into you, he'll find nobody sleeping. You're awake. And you're not letting those seeds get in there. You're going to stop them. Would you all stand up for me? We don't ever have to be afraid of false teaching. We don't ever have to be afraid of bad seed. We just have to be aware of it. Not afraid. Don't be afraid. Be aware. Be on guard. So that when it comes and it tries to make its entrance into you, we, we stop it. My wife will sometimes hear, I meant to get into this when I was talking about it before, I forgot. But she'll listen to some of these people on the, on the YouTube and she's a little more adventurous than I am. She'll listen to, to, to more people. I'm kind of like, who are you and why should I listen? <laughs> That's kind of the way I approach it. <laughs> one thing. I, every once in a while, you know, I'll, I'll listen to some people. You know, um, I listen to a couple of churches out there in their podcasts. And here's a name. I don't even know who this is. Let's listen to them. And um, if they're not into Word in 10 minutes, then we're on to somebody else. You better, you better get into the Word fast and it better be good. Otherwise, I'm moving over to somebody that I know will. I'd rather hear somebody teach something I've heard three times before than hear somebody teach something there's no word in it. But she'll sit, sit down and says, well, she'll stop me. I'm coming you know, in, filling up my water jug or something like that. And she, uh, she says, tell me what you think about this. And she'll spell it out. And I'll sit there and I'll think about it. And says, well, it seems to me that they're missing this area of Scripture over here. She says, yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> but she didn't let, let on any of that. She just kind of said, you know, this, what do you think about this thing over here? See, if down on the inside of you, your spirit will say, it's bad seed. 
your renewed mind on the Word will say, it's bad seed. So you don't have to be afraid of it. I don't walk in fear of false doctrine or falling a victim to it. Because I trust that the Word of God in me will identify it. So oh, that's bad stuff. My spirit will say, mm-mm, no, walk away. Get away from that. And I'll go away. I don't need that. But you see, if, if we still have that flesh that can kind of take over our minds some, there are some doctrines out there that will appeal to our flesh. Pass themselves off as, as word doctrines, but they will appeal to our flesh. And they can begin to pull us in. And once it pulls us in a little bit, then it gets us a little bit more. And it gets us a little bit more. And then pretty soon, we're all the way in. You've heard it before. I've been taught it before. If you play around a mud hole long enough, what happens? You will fall in. Don't fall in. Don't even be playing around the, the mud holes. Don't be praying around the, the bad stuff. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that our spirit on the inside of us is on guard at all times. It will alert us when false teaching is trying to make its way in. When the enemy is coming to try and put false seed, bad seed into us, and we'll say, no, 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 not going to take that. And we reject it because it came up in our spirit that that was wrong. Perhaps it doesn't check out through our renewed mind as we review it with all the things we already know from your word. Oh, hold on a minute. It doesn't pass the mustard with this part over here. can't be true. And we reject it. And the enemy may try and try and try to get false teaching in us, but as long as we stay with your word, as long as we keep ourselves renewed on your word, as long as we keep being completely given over to your word, these things won't be able to come near us. But that's up to us. I need to decide. I am going to stay mindful of the word of God solely. I'm not going to give my attention to other things. I'm not going to give my attention to hurts. I'm not going to give my attention to feelings. I'm not going to give my attention to past episodes. I'm giving my attention to the Word of God. And it will stand guard over us night and day. And there will be no sleeping on our field. I thank you for it. Oh, Father, we give you the praise and the glory for it. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, don't go out thinking that, well, the false teaching is all around me and I'm just going to become victim. You will not become victim. False teaching may be on your left and on your right. And a thousand may fall at your left and a thousand may fall at your right, not to disease and sickness, but to false teaching. But it will not come near you if you do what the Word of God has said to do. Stay with it. Keep, keep at it. Just understand you have not learned it all. I have not learned it all. I'm still learning. I still approach the Word of God every time I get in there. I'm learning some more. I'm reading some more. We, uh, we have the reading program to keep you in the Word. That's just one way to keep in the Word. If you're not involved in it, get involved. Read it again. You should read through the New Testament at least once a year. Just read through it. You want to study any parts of it? You can study other parts of it. Go out there and read the Old Testament too. You do that on your own. 
five chapters a five chapters a week. That's all you got to do. And they're in the bulletin. If you're not here to get the bulletin, go up on the website, and you can get it up on there. Just click on the uh, read through the the thing, and it'll show you the bullet, the current bulletin. You can see all the chapters you're supposed to read. And if all that doesn't work, just set your bookmark, and just read the next chapter. Just keep on reading. Keep on going through. Stay with the word. It's a, it's important. Because in this day, we got a lot of false stuff that's going on around. But it is not wheat. It's not wheat. It doesn't have fruit. It doesn't have substance. And just as in the parable, those who came in from the field could tell this is not the right thing. So can we. We can tell. Brother Keith. morning you know we praise God that he makes it so we can be equipped when we have to do battle and it's, you can't go into war unless you're equipped unless you've got your spiritual armor on now it's funny because have you have you ever known anybody who looks for prophets they want to go hear the prophet of God when I read the word I generally don't want to hear the prophet. Now, if the prophet has something for me, okay, he'll come and give it to me. But usually in the word of God, the prophet doesn't come for Christian fortune telling. Okay. Just a comment. Okay. Um, We have a prayer request from Miss Candy for Mr. Bobby. Mr. Bobby kind of tweaked his back yesterday. So we're praying for healing for Mr. Bobby's back. Okay. Victor says dad's doing well. Correct. Ento, how's dad? He's doing better. Praise God. He is doing better. All right. All right. That's it for our prayer request. Um, Alexis, Isaiah 12, 4. I think I'm going to go to 6. Real quick, uh, it's our time to practice God. Okay, when I say practice God, what we want to do is through our praises, rehearse what God does for us. Because how many times in life do we practice those things that do us absolutely no good? The bills are all due and the baby needs shoes and I'm busted. Over and over and over again. The word of God says the power of life is in the tongue. So what we want to do is we want to speak those things that God is doing for us. And in that day you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the people, make mention of his name, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord. I'm good. (laughs) Sing to the Lord for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out. And shout, O inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. We need to continue to practice our God. Practice exalting what he has done for us, what he continues to do for us. I've got a praise report from Phyllis. Phyllis says she went to go pick up her glasses, so praise God she can see now. But when she went to pick them up, she found out she had overpaid. Amen. That meant she got a 
refund. All right. I've got a praise report from Vanessa. Vanessa says, praise God, I got a bonus. You know, the Bible says that God gives us the power to get wealth. How good is that? The benefit package of doing what we do. And if I could just go real quickly uh, to one of our Christian hobby horse verses. I'm in Deuteronomy 28. I just started reading Deuteronomy again. And I love Deuteronomy. I call it dusty old Deuteronomy. But if Jesus dug Deuteronomy, I can dig Deuteronomy. Okay. So I've got eight, uh, two right here, 28 two. And all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. All right. We all want to have blessings that actually overtake us. I just want them to come in and run me down. But as we look at it, we're looking at a conditional promise. Okay. Alexa, can you go back one for me? Now, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Then you go to 20 or you go to two. But uh, skip down to three real quick, because here's our hobby horse. As believers, we love this. Then, blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country. Go ahead, let it roll. We love that. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Go ahead, you give one more, I think. Blessed shall be your basket, and blessed shall be your kneading bowl. Hallelujah. We love to shout and sing and run around with that one, right? But if we go just a little bit further, and we don't need to, but when you guys get a chance, all these blessings that God will do for you, He kind of flips the script and he says, guess what? If you don't fulfill those conditional promises, they become cursed. And all the things that he says he's going to bless you doing, you'll be cursed doing. So God is always expecting us to continue to move closer to him, to continue to follow him with our whole heart, with all that is within us. So as we leave today and we bless one another and we give each other a hug and run our mouths till someone puts us out of here, (laughs) continue to seek God, continue to follow him hard. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Have a great day.